Well, it is so good to have you here, and if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Keith, and uh, I've been pastor, it's hard to believe, going on 12 years here at Grace, and it's just been an honor, and, and we're finishing up a series in 2 Peter, so I want to I go ahead and invite you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, and, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, pick up our reading there. Now, one, I, I just want to bring you guys in the loop on things. Uh, if you've been coming here for any uh, length of time, you know that uh, we've been growing. And that's a good thing. We're thankful for that. Thank God for that. In fact, I just looked, uh, somebody, uh, they were looking at, because we count seats just because we need to know how many are, are in here. And, and man, over the last, uh, the last month, in the last 30 days, we've grown by 200 people in our congregation just in the last... Now, now, listen, that's great, but we got to put people somewhere. And so, man, I want you to be praying with us. We are, we're talking about purchasing land. You just need to know that if God will provide and God's leading, we are going to be building. That is going to happen at some point. Um, God, has, God has placed us here for such a time as this. And uh, we don't, anything that we're doing, we want to be to the glory of God. But so we're, we've been talking about land and I want you to be praying about that. Uh, church members at our annual meeting, that'll be the last Sunday of this month at 5 p.m. Uh, we will be talking about that, that it will be, uh, you know, and I'm just of, of discussion, but just be praying about what God's gonna be doing there and how he's gonna meet the need. But I love what God's up to. In fact, I've got to share something really cool. Uh, Pastor Edgar, who pastors our, uh, our in Espanol service, he, he got a call from a, from a hotel here in town, and they'd had a tragedy that had taken place on a certain floor. And uh, ever since then, uh, man, the, the staff, cleaning staff, and then others there, they said, man, there's just something that's weird at this hotel. And they said, have you ever come to pray at a hotel before? Like, man, we'll go anywhere and pray. Like, we'll, we'll do that. And, and Edgar said, well, I'm actually in a meeting. He said, but I'll, I'll send. He sent uh, Lester Villatura, who's, uh, who's our associate pastor with, with Grace and Espanol. Um, and he'll, he leads worship here as well. Uh, Lester and Daniel Becerra, uh, we, we, they, they sent them over there. Well, long story short, they had uh, 13, 13 or 14, including the manager staff that had gathered. And so, you know, they just, Lester said, hey, listen, this is not like some magic thing we do. We believe that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And, and they said, you don't have to be afraid, but we're going to pray for, for God, to, for, man, for God to, to reign here. They prayed. And then Lester, Lester asked, and he said, he said, how many of you are following Jesus Christ? Not a single person who was a Christian. And he shared the gospel with them. And at the, at the end, he asked, how many of you hearing the gospel want to respond? All 14 gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Is that awesome or what? Just incredible, man. I love what, we're, what, what, what God has been up to. So we celebrate this move. In fact, somebody also asked recently, hey, what's been going on with the land that, that we, you know, we gave to, for in Kenya? And I just got a text this week from Mary Kamal. And so if you're new, you might not know, but uh, in, in October, like in a week's time, it wasn't like we did a big initiative or something. People just gave. Within seven days, $150,000 came in to purchase land for a, for a new school in Kenya. And she said, make sure that Grace knows when, when we, we purchased the land after we were there, uh, they, they were here with us, Wallace and Mary, in, at the 1st of November so we purchased the land. They've already come in because uh, there was a, a two-story building. They actually came in and finished it. She said, we are opening uh, for classes, I think with 200 students next month. And so you guys are already making a difference. And so thank you so much, man. Man, God is moving. 
And, and what I love is, is that I get to not just share these stories that we're hearing, like tangible evidence of God moving. I love being able to, to share a message, a message that, that is so powerful and so needed. And today, as, as we finish out this series, we've been going through 2 Peter chapter 1, and we've been looking at the fact that we've been given everything that we need. Now, what you got to know is that when Peter writes 2 Peter, if you look at, the, uh, look at verses 13 through 15, Peter is convinced, he says that, that the Lord has revealed to him that he's going to be dying soon. And if, what we know from church history is that, is that Peter... Uh, was, was crucified for his faith in Jesus Christ. But when they were going to crucify him on a cross, he asked that he be crucified upside down because he said, I am not worthy to die in the same manner as my Lord and Savior. But he still gave his life. And so it's just shortly after that he writes these words that, that he's, he's going to die. But he knows that it's, it's coming. And so, so what he says, he says, that, he says that I'm writing these words to you to stir up by way of reminder in verse 13. Uh, Since I know that the putting off of my body will be, will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. What things? Well, they're what we're going to read right here. So I want you to, to understand, if you've ever been with someone and they have, they've shared their last words with you, those words have meaning. They're what they really want you to know. In fact, for instance, when my grandfather passed away, his, the last words that he said to me as he, as, as he was passing away, he said, the only thing that matters, Keith, is serving Jesus Christ. And then he said, be faithful. I'll never forget what he said. Those those last words mean something. Listen to Peter's last words. Here's what he wants to make sure that they remember. Verse three, his divine power, speaking of Christ, Christ's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he's granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. That's a crazy thing to think that that could happen. You could actually forget what God had done for you. He's saying it's possible. For that man, that's just, uh, verse nine is crazy. Verse 10, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. That's awesome. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what he's saying. If I could sum everything up into one phrase where Peter says, I want you to remember these things. I, I, would, I would give you this, this is my big point. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. My big point is simply this. Christian, you are meant for more. Christian, you are meant for more. Now listen to me. This is not gonna be that legalistic, judgmental, do more, give more, serve more, do all these things. No. But what? I, I wanna be faithful to properly Break down and exegete what we have here in the text. Here's what he's saying. Christian, you are meant 
for more. And I'm going to make this big claim based on what we have here. He hasn't withheld one thing from us. Christian, you and I, we can have all of God that we want. Well, no, you don't understand this. No, 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 no. We just read, he has not withheld one single thing from us. Christian, we can have all of God that we want. But there's one little caveat that he throws in here. But we have to have the want to. And I want to talk about for the, for the next few minutes. Let me introduce what I'm saying by telling a little story. When I was, I think I was, I don't know, 15, 16, something like that. My parents came to my brother and I. My brother's a couple years younger than I. And they said, hey, listen, we've never taken a big family vacation. You know, every once in a while, we'd go to a theme park or we might, you know, go to grandparents' house or something like that. But they said, we want to we take a legit vacation. And they said, we, we'll go anywhere you want to go, but here's what we're thinking. We could go out west. We could go to the Grand Canyon. We could go to, you know, swing over to, to Colorado, Pikes Peak, you know, see the Rocky Mountains, all these. And then they wanted to make their way eventually uh, through the west up to Yellowstone. And, and, and here was the thing, man. They, they said, this is going to be two to three weeks that we're going to set aside Take family vacation. We've never done this before, but we want you guys to do the research, figure out where you want to go, come back, and we're going to do this. We're going to do a family vacation. Let's do this. So my brother and I um, got together, and here's the deal. We were lacking two things. First of all, we were lacking information. I, like, you can take geography. You can see pictures of the Grand Canyon. You can see pictures of the Rocky Mountains. But, but I'd never been there. And so when we talked about things, like, like why would we want to go someplace? Like we don't, what if it's a lame trip? Like, so we're like, I don't, I don't know if we really want to do that or not. And, and then I kind of talked to my brother. I'm like, you know, it's going to be a long trip. We're going to be stuck in the back seat forever. And I'm not sure that we want to do that. And so we, the more we talked, I was like, man, my brother was right there with me. Yeah, that's probably not a good idea. And so, so our research, we came up with this brilliant idea. We came back to dad and, and he said, okay, you guys make your plans. Where are we going? We said, we'd like to go to Cincinnati, Ohio and go to Kings Island, the amusement park there. And my dad was so disgusted. He looked at me like, are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah. You said we could go anywhere. He's like, he said, I'm, we're he said you understand what we're talking about. We're talking about the Rocky Mountains. We're talking about the Grand Canyon. We're talking about like the wild, like he's painting this picture. I'm like, eh. <laughs> we can go to Kings Island. And here's the deal. My dad was so disgusted. He gave us exactly what we wanted. We went to Kings Island. We rode roller coasters for about seven hours. Got corn dogs from a, uh, from a little uh, stand there on the side. And then went home that night. We literally traded a two and a half week trip to wherever we wanted to go in the U.S. for a day of riding uh, roller coasters and the cuisine wonders of a corn dog. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like, I look back and, and like, you might be saying like, that was dumb. You ever been 15? Like, I, like, I. <laughs> I've thought that many times when I've, when, when I've read this or when I've gone through following, talked to other people about following Jesus Christ. There's a lot of times, and I hate to admit this, but you seem to know who your pastor is. When I look back over my life, I've settled. 
Not because God was holding out on me. Like, I, like it wasn't that I lacked whatever. It was just, I kind of settled because, I mean, I'd never been there before. And I, was, I lacked both the information of what was available, but also the motivation to move forward. Christian, I'm telling you, if you have settled for this, you gotta know you were created for more. And what I know is for, for many of us, the thing that will keep us back is this question. Like, who do you think you are to do this? Listen, you're no, you're no super saint or whatever. Just, you know, plug away, go to church, do your thing, keep your head down, you know, pray on Sundays and all that sort of thing. Try to be a good moral person. Christian, you were created for more. And what Peter is saying, his final, like some of his last words that we have recorded that he wrote is this. He said, here's what I want you to know. He said, I want to stir this up in you so that you never forget it. He wants to know, first of all, that growth in grace is possible. And first of all, it's made possible by Christ. And we've, we've broke this down over the last few weeks. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but it's not by moralism. It's not by working harder. It's not by, by all of these things. no. Our call to godliness and this growth in godliness is rooted and secured by God's grace. His gracious power supplies for us what he promises us. Like literally, he has not withheld anything. He says that all things, everything that we need for life and godliness has already been provided. And that, that somebody should say amen though. That's good, that's good right there. But, but it's not just there. He doesn't stop there. The, the, the other thing that we see here is that growth in grace, though, it's not automatic. We might have everything we need through Christ, but, but it has to be appropriated. Just because a vacation of a lifetime was offered to my brother and I, just because they would have taken us somewhere, just because we could have gone there, all expenses paid, didn't mean that we ended up there. Was it because of a lack of generosity on, my, on the part of my parents? No, they were gonna take us wherever we wanted to go. It was that we didn't appropriate ourselves of what was offered to us. And I think a lot of times this is where, where, we, we, uh, where things break down. I get this, this image in my mind. Uh, in fact, I've got a, we've got a picture of, of my daughter Cassidy when she's just a little girl. She had this pink snowsuit and she could hardly walk. It was so big on her. She would just kind of, you know, walk like this. And so it's in, it's in the snow and we've got a picture of her being pulled on a sled and she's just there along for the ride. And it's funny, I, I think of that image often when I, when I think of, of, of sometimes our perception of following Jesus Christ where we think we're just gonna sit on the sled and he's gonna pull us into the kingdom. Now, you see, while we're not saved by our works, while, while like our works do not earn anything, any of his grace or anything like that, the reality is growth and grace, he does ask for us to participate in this. We, we even by, man, it's even grace that allows us to be part of this. He, he even gives us the power and the strength to pursue these things. But that's why in verse five, we re, after, after he says, man, God has given us all that we need. Christ's power has provided all that we need. He says, for this very reason, because he's given you everything you need, make every effort to supplement your faith. And he has that list of qualities. Pastor Matt did a great job going through his qualities. I'm not gonna do that uh, today. But he says, make every effort. It sounds to me like, Though our effort can't save us, our effort is required of us. I like how Dallas, Dallas Willard put it. He says, 
Grace isn't opposed to earning, or grace isn't opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. And I think a lot of times we have these two extremes. One extreme is that I have to earn God's favor. I have to earn my salvation. I have to earn, earn, earn. I got to work harder, work harder, work harder. That is, that is a, that's heresy. That's, that's salvation by works. Paul's very clear in Ephesians chapter two. We are saved by grace through faith. Not in our work, man. It's his work because if it was our work, we'd boast about it, he said. And so we've got this extreme, but then the other extreme clear over here is that, well, you know, I don't want to fall into that heresy. I don't want to fall into some legalism. And so we think that, hey, I'm saved. And now I coast all the way into the kingdom. Woo, let's do this. That's, that's, not, that's actually just as false. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter six, present your members to righteousness. It's why Hebrews talks about the fact that we're running this race. There's effort to be made. Is why Peter says, make every effort to supplement your faith. The apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter two, uh, verse 12. And, and we, like a, most people have, the, have verse 12 memorized. They haven't memorized verse 13. Verse 12 says, therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Anybody ever heard that verse? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Raise your hand if you've heard that verse. Raise your hand, okay? We don't always know verse 13 because that's actually part of it. There's a comma there. There's not a period. You gotta have the two together. Work out your own salvation of fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And I, man, if there's ever been a verse that's been taken out of context, it's been verse 12. And what we've, what we've said is to work out your own salvation is, you know, our salvation is just gonna look a little different from person to person. I'm gonna figure out my salvation. You're gonna figure out your salvation. Work out your own salvation of fear and trembling. That's not at all what it means. When he says work out, he means put your salvation into action. We work out what God's worked in. It always starts with God. It's God's work to even allow us. And so for you to clean your, try to clean yourself up to come to God, that is ridiculous. Don't clean yourself up to come to God. Let him do the cleaning. He does the work. He does the initiating work. It starts in. But the reality is it will always work out. Work out what God is working in. And you see... There are a lot of times that we don't even know what this looks like. And so let me just break this down real quick. Just some words, they all rhyme. Uh, that was intentional. Uh, you know, you go to rhymezone.com, try to figure out words are right. No, I didn't do that. But, but the, the, these words all go together, but they kind of build. What, what's this look like? Because gr growth and grace isn't automatic. He says, make every effort to pursue. What does this look like? Well, first of all, it, even our effort begins with God. It's God who works in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It begins with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, and what the Holy Spirit does in, 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 in this, what I'm calling realization, it's just where he says, okay, you need to grow. You, there's, a, there's a next step for you to take. And so, so for, 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 for us, it has to start here. And there's a difference because sometimes we confuse conviction with condemnation. Conviction is where the Holy Spirit is calling us to something. Maybe he's gonna, he's gonna convict you. You become increasingly convinced. He's asking you to leave something behind. He's calling you to something. But, but what I know is that conviction is different than condemnation. Condemnation for the Christian is when Satan, the accuser, condemns you and says, because of who you are, because of what you did, because of your failure, you'll never be this. You gotta stay back there. That, that's condemnation. Conviction moves us forward. Con condemnation 
The accuser always wants to leave you in your past. And by the way, I'm just, this is free, sit in my notes. Wait, some of you guys need to break free from walking backwards into the future. Some of you are so focused on your failure that you, you refuse to appropriate what God's already given you. And so what you're doing is you're walking into the future backwards, consumed by your past. God did not call you to, uh, to, to uh, walk in your past, to stay in your past. Leave your past behind. Behold, don't you see I'm doing a new thing? The old has gone, the new has come. If you are in Christ, move forward. And when, you, when, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, it doesn't, he's not saying, oh, you loser, you. No, he's saying, you need to take a next step. Quit being so sensitive. This is good psychology preaching right here. Quit being so sensitive. Like, like some, we're so sometimes insecure in our faith when the Holy Spirit points us to a next step. We're like, well, I guess I'm just a terrible Christian and I just think I can move forward. Oh, for crying out, take the next step. Literally, he's doing this as a benefit to you. It's like if you, if you played for a sports team and your coach said, hey, man, I need to coach you up. You need to stop doing this, do this. Like, oh, he doesn't like me anymore. If you do that, you need to stop. But like, no, move forward. It's an amazing thing. And by the way, God won't show you everything you need to do at once. That's why we're always talking about everybody has a next step to take. Which means if you ever get to a place you think you've arrived, you definitely have a next step to take. Like, like don't, don't ever be shocked that he's wanting to continue to change you. He begins with realization. Like, I want you to grow. And, and man, just surrender to that. And, and what, that, what that realization, it actually moves to this word motivation. Motivation is, man, I've got to do something about this. I can't just stay here. And in, in reality, sometimes it's our motivation that's lacking. Sometimes I don't want to do what I need to do and what it takes to see what Jesus wants become reality in my life. I'd rather do what I want to do rather than do what Jesus wants. Yeah, honestly, our issue is we have a broken wanter sometimes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's good right there. That's good. That's, write that down. It doesn't stay at realization, but, but the reality is you can't stay at motivation because there are times that we get excited about the potential of change, but we just want to stay excited about the potential and we never do anything. That's why some of you stop going to the gym. Already, you set a New Year's resolution. I'm going to the gym. And two weeks in, you've already broken that. Some of you are like, well, that's why I didn't, need, I didn't even start. I didn't even go. Like, okay, you need realization, right? But no, you know, realization moves to motivation, which, means, which, which moves to information. I have to know what God provides. And we talk, I'm not gonna break this down. He's given us what we need to know. And, and literally, like if there's a realization that's something wrong, like if there is a physical problem that, that you have, what should you do? Call the doctor, go in for a checkup, find out what's going on here. Man, listen, when, when God is convicting you, he's showing you the next step to take, don't settle for like, ah, you know, I just, I don't know where to go. Well, he's given you the word. He's given us the church. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Man, let's man, find a bro another brother or sister. Let's do this. But that will ultimately move to this, this last word, application. And this is where I have to pursue what God wants for me. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And then he goes on down this list of qualities. But this realization, motivation, information, application leads to this last word, and it rhymes too, it's good, transformation. And literally we begin to see what God's doing. But, but, but here's the thing. 
Growth and grace isn't automatic. God has done his work. He has made everything we need for life and godliness available. Now, he's not gonna show you everything you need to do at once because you could not take it. But his Holy Spirit will be faithful to show you your next step. What you need to let go of or what you need to stop doing or what he's, what he's calling you to. And, and what do we do? We just respond. And then he begins to do this work of transformation within us. And this is why after he lists these qualities, Peter writes, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, on the other hand, he has a negative, he looks at the negative part of this. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted, he's blind. That's me. Like, I am blind. And my wife makes fun of me because, like, if I wake up and I try to see what time it is and I have my glasses on, like, I'll get my phone out and it's like this. Like, I can't, I am blind without my glasses. He's saying this is the same way spiritually. You are so nearsighted. You are blind to the point that you even forget what, what God did when he cleansed you from, from your sins. Not just, it's not that you forgot that there was a moment that you believed, but, but you almost forget what, what, what he did, what is yours, and what he's done since then. You forget what, what it is you're believing in. Verse 10, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, I, I like this. Those are, the, the, some of these are in a, he presents in a negative sense, some in a positive sense. What we're seeing here is, is this, the last thing, or the, the next thing is that growth in grace has far-reaching benefits. Far-reaching benefits. A few, uh, this is a few months ago, uh, Pastor Will Sprunt, who leads our discipleship ministry here, he was in a discussion uh, with, with somebody else about discipleship, and it was, uh, somebody else was, was visiting with him. And I happened, I was walking by, and they called me and said, hey, what do you think about this? And they were talking about next steps. And I, somehow, we ended up here in 2 Peter 1. And if you know anything about Will, uh, Will is the king of the acronym. Two things about Will. He loves corny jokes and he loves acronyms. Like he, he like these things that'll help you remember. And he, he came up with this acronym based on what we read in verses nine through 11. And I, I have never forgot it. So it worked. I hate to admit that it worked, but it worked. But he came with the ac, ac, uh, acronym. He said, I love these things. He said, they're my fave, F-A-V-E. I'm like, oh, here we go. And he broke it down. Fruit, assurance, victory, and eternal life. This is what we have. He said, this is what we have. As we, we, and we, and he was breaking down verses nine through 11. I'm like, dude, he's right. We, we, we have fruit. It says, man, if, if we're pursuing these qualities, it keeps us from being ineffective or unfruitful, which means that you can see the evidence. Like you can see that God is at work. That's a, that's a pretty amazing thing. Which, which, man, that is... What I will say is that as you're pursuing, usually people are gonna see a change even before you realize there's a change for them to see. Like we're so focused like, oh man, oh, man, this pursuit and, and man, there's this humility. Like, are you kidding me, God? This is what you, you've called me to? We don't always see the fruit, but man, all of a sudden your spouse is like, man, there's something different. Or, or your parents or, or, or somebody, you have a friend like, man, what's going on? There's fruit, but it's not just that, there's assurance. Like he said, we can have this confidence. We have this confidence. 
He said, he said, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election for if you practice these qualities. He, so he ties it to practice. Now listen, our assurance is not based on our works alone. Like we are saved by grace through faith. But the reality is this. As we're living and we are pursuing Christ, there is this intimacy. There, there is this, man, there is an intimacy between us and God. We are living in right relationship. And, and listen, anybody that's been following the Lord, you know this. If there's ever been a time that, that you fall into sin or, or whatever the case is, though God is gracious, there's a distance in the sense that you pull yourself back. There's the shame associated with the sin and all that sort of thing. There's this distance. It's not because God went anywhere. It's because we, we immediately, we pull ourselves back. But, and, and the reality is we can't pursue Jesus, pursue sin at the same time. So there is going to be that distance. I would say also that there are times in which the Holy Spirit has convicted us and he showed us of, of the next step that we're to take. And, and there's, the, there's that, 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 that resistance. And, and in that resistance at times, like, oh man, are you sure? I don't know, it's gonna be painful. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. There can be this, this distance. And it's, it's not that, that we've lost our salvation or anything like that. It's that there is a distance because we're not pursuing these things. This is why he said, pursue these things, practice these qualities, confirm your calling and election. Your calling and election has already taken place. It's just confirmed as we practice these qualities. But then he says, if you practice these qualities, you'll never fail, victory. And guys, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's for, for some of us, we gotta, we gotta start settling for the mediocrity of staying in a place where it's like, well, I'm always gonna be that, and you allow your addiction or your sin or whatever the case happens to be to define you. We can have victory. Now, is there coming a day when we're finally gonna be set free from this, from, from this sin and, and we're going to experience the full life that, that we've been given? There's no more sin in heaven? Absolutely, that's the E part, that's eternal life. But can I tell you that we can experience the abundant life that Christ came to provide us right now. It's not just the hope of abundant life tomorrow. It's abundant life today. You can be changed. Christian, you were meant for more than, than settling for mediocrity. I thought I had a little fewer more amens there. <laughs> well, here's the deal, guys. It's not just that. It's, it's that E part of eternal life. You can know that you know that you know that one day you're going to hear him say those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. If that wasn't in the Bible, you would almost feel like, like that should not be the words that they say in heaven. Especially if you've bought into this whole thing, oh man, I got to, you know, that, that's, that's presumptuous. It sounds like it's works based. Like literally, that's what Jesus said. We're going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Now what we're gonna know in that day, they're not gonna be singing our praises for the work that we've done. We're gonna be singing the praises of the Savior for the work that he did that even made it possible for us to hear those words. That's why I say, man, he's given us everything that we need. You see, growth and grace is possible in Christ. Growth and grace isn't automatic. Growth in grace is, is something that when we look at this, it, it has some incredible benefits. 
good old will and faith. But then the last thing I would leave you with is this. Growth in grace must be weighed. You're like, what are you talking about? Growth in grace, it, 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 it needs to be intentional. We need to weigh this. We do this by, first of all, remembering the gospel, remembering that, that this isn't a works-based type thing. Though there is effort required, it begins first and foremost. And so if there's ever a day that, that, that man, things shift and we begin to find our confidence and, and uh, everything based on the fact that I'm doing a pretty good job at this, then, then we gotta come back to square one. Man, we gotta come back to the gospel and its power. Christianity never starts with do. You know, when, when you read this, it, you know, when Peter's writing this, he doesn't say first you have, you have to do. He says first you have to receive something and then because you've been given everything you need, then you pursue. No, no. If you're not growing in these ways, you forgot the gospel. We, we have to come back. It's the gospel. It's, the, man, it's, it's our faith in Christ that anchors everything. But the second thing I would say is this. Man, we, we practice this. We we don't forget that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, that we're called to pick up our cross daily to deny ourselves and follow him. We, we, don't, we, we do this intentionally. And, and I was talking to a guy this morning, a good friend of mine, and he said, man, he says, sometimes there's a, there's a gap between my information and my motivation. And I, I'm like, dude, that's, that's good. And it's true. He said, there, there's a time when I know that I should but I don't feel like doing it. He said, how can I get to the place where I feel like doing it? And can I just, I'll tell you what I told him because I'd never thought about the way he said it. I'm like, man, that's a great question. I, there are things that we've been given. They're, they're called spiritual disciplines. And these spiritual disciplines of, of, of the word, of prayer, of, man, even what we do is of being together as the family of God, that's a, that's a pretty beautiful thing. And, when my kids obey me because they feel like it, honestly, that's not like a big sacrifice. It's not a big deal. But it's when my kids obey me, not when they feel like it, but because they just recognize that they want to have the right relationship and they, they want to obey their dad, even when it's inconvenient. You know what? That's the obedience that, that is impressive to me. And I think that there are times that we, we're like, man, I just need to feel like it. How can I get to the place that I feel like it? Well, motivation, our, our motivation is cultivated sometimes by our spiritual disciplines. By us just intentionally saying, whether I feel like it or not, God, I'm going to pursue you. And what I know is God is faithful. And the spiritual disciplines do not save you. But they're part of allowing you to get to a place that cultivates your motivation so that you have the want to. Because I'm, I'm telling you, you can have all that you want of God, but you just got to have the want to. So what, what I mean by this is simply this. God can set the table. He can prepare the meal. He can even give you the fork. Actually, let me take a step further. He can even give you the strength that it takes to lift the fork to your mouth. But the one thing that God will not do is he will not force you to eat. It's kind of like when I was a kid, my mom tried to get me to eat peas. Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. 
She did the whole airplane thing. Not going to do it. She tried. She forced them into my mouth, but she could not make me swallow, and I spit them out. You guys know if you had kids what that looks like. Now, God, God can do it all, but guys, he's, he's given us everything we need. We've got to swallow. But man, man, if, if we could just grasp what he has for us. You want, I, I've shared this story before, but I'm going to close this because I, I think it bears repeating. Uh, I grew up in a little town in Indiana, and there's a little town. Like, we didn't have any restaurants. They have a lot more restaurants now, but, like, the main restaurant in town was McDonald's. That was before Subway decided they were going to get in every town in America and everywhere else. But uh, McDonald's was the town. I mean, it was the restaurant in our town. And so we would go there maybe three times a year. Like, we hardly ever went. So it was a big deal. And when we would go, I would order uh, a... a uh, happy Meal when I was a little kid with a plain hamburger. Plain hamburger and french fries. And uh, man, I could, you know, every time we were going to McDonald's, I'd get excited because I was going to get a plain hamburger with french fries, which my dad was cool with because it was cheaper that way. And uh, that was great. Well, got older, didn't get the Happy Meal, but I still got the Combo Meal. Two plain hamburgers with french fries every time I went to McDonald's. When I was 12 years old, my dad had been working on, uh, he, he'd gone back to college. He was working, he'd work in the day and then go to night school and, and he finally graduated with his degree. And so he wanted, he invited the family to be there uh, and our extended family to be there for, uh, to, to watch him graduate for the big celebration. And, and then he said, I wanna take everybody out to eat. And so we went to, to a restaurant and uh, their menu was a lot bigger than McDonald's. And so the lady came around to take our order and she's going around the table and she comes to me and says, okay, what would you like? And I said, I want a hamburger, plain, with French fries. And my dad was like sitting down from me and he said, no, actually, uh, I'm gonna order for you. And I'm like, what? And he's like, no, let me, let me order. And he said, I want you to uh, bring him a steak, medium, not well done like the heretics. That just... Uh, <laughs> I'm more medium rare, but, uh, but back then he said medium. Dude, like when, when the lady left, I sat there and I fumed. I was so mad. Like, are you kidding me? I, I get to go out to eat. We hardly ever get to go out to eat and he's not letting me get what I want. And so they brought the, the meal out and I looked at it and I was not impressed one bit. In fact, I'm just eating French fries, madder than a hornet. My dad said, Hey, have you tried your steak yet? And I'm like, no, don't want to. I'm just being a jerk. He's like, no, you're gonna eat, you're gonna take a bite of steak. I'm like, no, you ordered it. Actually, I didn't say that. He would have whipped my hide out. I'm thinking back. I didn't say that, but I thought it. And finally, Dad said, no, you need to take a bite. And I remember I I, I cut the steak and then put the bite in my mouth and. My life changed. <laughs> what I realized in a moment is that there are things that are better than a plain hamburger. And for 12 years, I thought I knew what I wanted. I thought that I had it all when I went to the restaurant. And yet, my dad knew that there was something better than what I'd been settling for. I use this story to close out this series 
don't you think that your father knows better than you when it comes to what you're living for and what you're settling for? What if, what if when, when you show up and you're saying, well, this is the box that I have to live in. I'm no super Christian. I'm not this. There's no way I can be free of this. There's no way I can have this. Can't you see God as he's through the Holy Spirit inspiring Peter to write these words saying, would you let them know that I have given them everything that they need for life and godliness? Stop settling for a hamburger when you can have steak. Church, I believe that we can have all of God that we want to. You can have more of God than you have today. Not in the sense, not in the sense of, I mean, the, the, Holy, like the Holy Spirit is what, I'm just talking in our awareness and in and, and, and seeing the fruit of this. Christian, you were meant for more. But you gotta have the want to. And Father, as we close this service, we close out this series, I'm thankful that you're a God who is not stingy. You've never been stingy with your grace, with your saving, with your faithfulness, with your ability. God, you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And God, I don't know who's here and who needs to, who needs to grasp this message. But God, for the person that's here that it just settles like, man, because of my past, because of what I've done, God cannot forgive me. Or maybe they know they're a Christian and they, they believe that you can forgive, but they, 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 cannot, they cannot believe that you would have something more for them. God, would you let them understand the fact that our salvation doesn't start at the moment of saving faith. Like Paul says, we have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. You always, you, man, you're growing us. You're changing us. And God, may we not put self-imposed limits on what we're going to appropriate for you and settle for a few roller coasters and a corn dog when you've given us the trip of a lifetime. God, for what you're going to do for your people as we pursue you, I thank you. God, if we can grasp this, it will change our lives. It will change our future. It will change our families. God, it will change this church. We were created for more. May we appropriate what you've given us through Jesus Christ. So God, for what you have in store for your church, we thank you. And I pray this as I prayed before, believing that the best is yet to come. In the name of the one that's anchored all of these promises, in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, listen, if you have come here today and, and man, you don't know what your next step is or you just want somebody to pray with you, we've got a prayer team that would love to pray with you. Maybe you, you haven't even started this journey. We would love to help you to introduce you to Jesus and what he can do in your life. But man, I can't wait to see what God has in store for us. So come back. We're starting a new series. It's the most jacked up series I've ever preached. It's from the book of Judges. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you next Sunday. You're dismissed.